1: back on the Believe in the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Golden of Jets X Factor. And of course, I got former Jet running back Lamont Jordan with me as per usual. The New York Jets got a big game this week against the Minnesota Vikings in Minnesota, coming off an even bigger win against the Chicago Bears, 31-10. to 10. Mike White leading the Jets through the storm quite literally and uh, finding a victory uh, in a suspect situation, being the starting quarterback after Zach Wilson was benched. The Jets got a big game with Minnesota, like I alluded to earlier, two teams that are both fighting for a playoff spot, fighting for the top of their division, maybe were some of the surprises of the NFL leading up to this year. And as always, before we get started with this game, we got to thank our friends over at betonline.ag. Basketball season is back. I'm very excited for that. I know Lamont, you are as well. And Bet Online is going to be the perfect place for whatever sports betting needs you need. Uh, head on over there. Make sure you guys, if you're signing up for the first time, use the promo code BLEAV, believe, and you'll get a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. Let's jump right into this and get started with the Vikings and Jets in Minnesota. Talk about the Jets' offense. That's been the story of the week, especially after Mike White's performance. We saw, we talked about earlier this week about not only Mike White, but some backup running backs and Ty Johnson and Zonovan Knight that really got their first major opportunities and did about as much as you could hope for with it. When we're talking about the offense with this game in particular going against Minnesota, the first thing that we need to make note of is that the Minnesota Vikings defense is god awful. They are the 32nd ranked pass defense in the NFL, and I believe they're the 31st ranked overall defense. This is not a talented unit. They have a couple of good players on the defensive line. They have some former stars at linebacker and in the secondary. Patrick Peterson's still playing pretty okay, and he's about the only member of their secondary that's even close to that. This is going to be an off, uh, another matchup where the Jets' <laughs> offense on paper should have the advantage, just like against Chicago the week before. So when I'm starting with this game, first and foremost, when you know that you have a team that you are going to – be greater than in a talent perspective and really the only worry you're worrying about is the pass rush. I don't know about you Lamont, but watching the Vikings defense this week, getting ready for this show. The one thing that stuck out out to me more than anything else is that those linebackers have no idea what they are doing. Their linebackers are in conflict way too often for my liking and gets guys like Eric Kendricks and Jordan Hicks that are some veterans that have played in the league a very long time and have played some very good football for a very long time that are having these miscues and are being out of position and the Patriots all game long in a game that both teams scored at least 26 points put up yard after yard messing around with these linebackers on play action and misdirections and getting them out of position so first and foremost for me I want to mess with these linebackers, but if you want to mess with these linebackers, you have to be able to run the ball effectively first. Play action will not work if you cannot get a sound run game. You're not going to have these linebackers cheating downhill as hard as they were against the Patriots if you can't establish the run game yourself. So my first point, lean on Ty Johnson and lean on Zonovan Knight. It doesn't seem like Michael Carter is going to be playing this week. He's missed practice all week with that ankle injury. James Robinson likely to be up as the number three back or one of the three backs. However, the pecking order shakes out, but you're going to have Ty and Zonovan active again, as likely the two guys at the top of the list. I think you got to lean on them early, give them the opportunity to get into these linebackers chests, get downhill, get to the edge with some speed and authority and take after some angles, really gain some yards on the ground. First, you have to establish the run in this game in my eyes early to get these linebackers falling for all the stuff that you're going to pull out later in the game. That's where I'm going to go next. But first and foremost, for me, establish the run. You got two running backs that just got off, uh, had a game where they were both running very hard and very well. Maybe even could be better with more opportunities. Give these guys an opportunity. I
0: think they'll do the most with it. I'm with you from the idea of trying to establish the run. I think that that's something that we're going to have to do for the remainder of the season until we can show some consistency with our pass the game. Look, uh, you you know, it looked great last week, all right? Playing against a a Bears defense that's beat up and got beat up throughout the course of the game. Um, We were playing at home. We handled things significantly better than the Bears did. With that said, now we're playing against a team that's fighting for home field advantage in in, in the playoffs, all right? So for me, it's what is our identity? Because it looked great to have a team that's for the most part has a lot of film on Zach Wilson. Um, you have some film on, on Mike White. Um, for me coming into this game, it, it's about what is our identity? You know, what, what is our identity? I don't care if it's going to be, we're going to try to run the ball down their throat, which I don't think that they're going to allow us to do it. I really don't think so. Um, you know, or, or are we going to be a team that's just going to drop back and pass the ball, whatever it is. I just have to wait and see we all have to wait and see what the offense is going to be um my first note offensively is we cannot get bullied by this minnesota vikings defense we we can't get bullied by them if 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 we're not the more physical team then we're going to struggle moving the ball i just really think so um and it concerns me that we only have it sounds like maybe we will have three backs up but only two healthy and out of those backs, only one of them do I feel good about in pass protection. So if we feed Ty a whole lot, now we're gonna put the onuses on Bam and Robinson, uh, Robinson being a guy who just came to the team to, be, to make sure that they're gonna be sure in the protections. So my first point offensively is we cannot shoot ourselves in the foot with penalties. If we're gonna establish the run game, as you say, We have to be able to allow Coach LaFleur to keep calling up the run games by making sure that we're not getting foolish penalties on first and second down. That's going to put us in a position where now we have to get predictable. We allow the defense to bring their pressures and then we have to put the onuses on the offensive line to protect. So my first point is, hey, starting out offensively. Don't shoot yourself in the foot. We don't need any false stars and, and foolish holding penalties and things like that. And I think that if we can do that, we will be able to establish the run game.
1: Yeah, I think so too. And I think for the uh, good thing to notice, the Jets have been pretty darn good with that this year. They've mm-hmm. been pretty dang good at avoiding penalties on on really all occasions, outside of a couple of ticky tacky roughing the passer calls or, you know, some holding penalties here and there. There really hasn't been much, you know, especially offensively, I feel like their pre-snap penalties have been not many that I can remember off the top of my head. And the ones that I can remember have usually been Denzel Mims. So if it's not Mims, you know, it's usually okay. I agree that I think they're going to have room to run the ball if they are the more physical team. And that's why I think you, maybe you lean on bam night early in the game and he's the guy that's your first and second down back. And you keep tie in for pass protection. And you know, you have James Robinson mixed in every now and then, but I think that you have to establish the run, not only, like I said, for your own offense, but playing this Vikings team, this Vikings team lives and dies by their own offense their defense being as bad as they are they cannot be in games if their offense cannot put up points lamont the vikings are nine and two and their point differential on the season is plus five nine and two they have nine wins and they've only scored five more points than their opponents in total that's because their defense is letting up points in every game they play and i really think that if you are the jets like we saw more so at the end of the game against Buffalo, but against a team like Buffalo that had a strong offense. When the game is on the line, Robert Sala wants to lean on his run game. He wants to take time off the clock. That is another thing that I think Sala has been really solid at this year that maybe aren't enough people aren't giving him credit for. They've managed the clock pretty well when they're in positions to, to lead And when they're in positions to have a lead and close games out, they look to that run game. They don't look to make, you know, huge explosive pass plays down the field. Or if they need a fourth down at midfield to ice the game, they're willing to do it. And I go to that last drive they had against the Bills when the game was on the line and they're trying to get down, get a winning uh, field goal, get up by three points and force a last second Hail Mary by Josh Allen. They leaned on their run game to do so they're going to want to run the ball to keep the Vikings offense off the field just as much as they're going to want to run the ball to keep their own offense on the field and to extend drives and set up play action on top of that. So I, I really think regardless of how you do it, I think the most effective guys we have in our backfield right now are Ty Johnson and Bam Knight. And so I want to see them getting the ball, maybe not absolutely force speeding them to the point of tiring them out, but it needs to be an emphasis on being physical. Like you're saying establishing the run limiting penalties is going to be huge. And that's going to be my next, uh, my next point leading right into it. This is the game. And I know we've talked about this all year, but like I was saying with these linebackers, their heads are spinning. That game on Thanksgiving, I would be embarrassed to be the Vikings linebacker coach Mm -hmm. and have everybody watch my unit go out there like chickens with their heads cut off. (laughs) This is the game. Where I think if it's done correctly, and I think that's the very key point here, this is the game the misdirection gimmicky stuff can work. Because if you can get some guys out of position, and you call it at the right times, and it's not a situation where you're moving people into passing lanes on accident, like we Mm -hmm. saw with the Berrios tunnel screen against the Bears, but like Mm -hmm. we talked about last week get these running backs the ball and have them be the guy that's running out for the pitch and not Elijah Moore or somebody else. Well, maybe this week it's Ty Johnson running that flare Mm -hmm. and you can flip it out to him. And it may not be a carry that's going right up the middle, but if it's a first down and he's got guys out in front or Elijah Moore and Garrett Wilson streaking down the field, pulling the Vikings coverage and he can (laughs) pick up the ball and get seven yards on a first down. I think that could be effective. And I think you can get into some opportunities where maybe you have the, the jet sweeps we've seen from Garrett Wilson that have popped a few times, or we've seen the Barrios sweeps that have popped a few times. Maybe this is the week you fake it and you call play action with it and run an over route right behind it from the other side. And you have a big pass play off of it. I think these linebackers can be exploited basically at will. And I think when, as a, let alone the secondary of Minnesota, that outside of Patrick Peterson really hasn't played well all season. And when you're the 32nd ranked pass defense in the league, no one's playing well outside of that. I think these linebackers are the key to messing up this entire defense by keeping the Vikings out of any sort of complex coverages by making them fearful of blitzing, or maybe thinking that blitzing might be their only option, in which case you're going to have Mike white, who we know can throw hot and guys that we know who can get open quick. I'm, I want to see as much play action and misdirection as possible on offense. At least after you get the run game going early, if you can't run the ball, then throw that plan out the window because Mm -hmm. no one's going to fall for it. If it's not, if there's no threat of the run game or no threat of, you know, actually what's going on. But if you can run the ball, well play action is going to be huge. This is going to be a big game for the tight ends. If you can run the ball well and you can hit, that jet sweep once or twice, so you can hit the little flare out to Ty Johnson when you do the fake screen and you send Garrett up the field on the post route and the next time, and Mike White fakes to his left and then turns and fires up the middle of the field. That's going to be wide open. And I really <laughs> think that this could be the week for it. I agree with you for the most part that that gimmicky college stuff doesn't usually work, especially in the NFL. But when you have a defense that is playing this poorly, I when you have a linebacker unit that is basically falling for every trap you lay for them, it seems like it's almost malpractice in my eyes as an offensive coach, not to try and make those the afternoon hell for the Vikings linebackers.
0: Yeah. I'm I'm with you on that. I'm still nervous about the gimmicky stuff. If we don't establish the run game. So I'm, I'm definitely going to echo. And that's what, the point is we have to get the run game going. Um, for me to take advantage of those linebackers and to take advantage of of just the players that they have on defense, and I I I've said it both times that we've played the Patriots, and now that Mike White is in at the quarterback position, and he clearly seems like when it comes to playing a quarterback position that he is he's just he just sees things better than Zach. He, he just had a great game last week. I think that this would be a great week, great week to go with some no huddle. Our offense is going to have Agreed. to win this game. And if you have linebackers who get confused in different things, then the way you get them and the way you get a defensive coordinator to just call some base packages as you normally would in a hurry up offense, um, is go no huddle. You have a quarterback that's that's that has proven last week that he he's gonna get he's gonna get the ball out, he's gonna get it to the right people, he's gonna get it out on time. So get into a no huddle situation because I don't think that this is a game where we want to try to play clock control against Minnesota and try to keep their offense off of the field. I think that this is a game that we have to come out full throttle and we have to score points. If we're going to have a chance of winning this game, I think our offense is going to have to score at least 20 points, more than 20 points. Yeah. If if we look at the box score and we see that we didn't have 20 points, we're going to lose this game because then we'll talk about the defense. There are too many things that are openings for us on our defense that will lead to explosive plays. So for me, I would like to see some hurry up. Let's get into some hurry up offense. Let's force this defense to call some base packages. And I think through that, you will be able to establish your run game because it keeps them off balance. I would love to see some bubble screens to burials. I would like to see more to burials. We've been talking about burials. Everybody who listens to the show know that we are huge fans of of. of of Braxton burial
1: yeah, and not tunnel screens where he's got a motion from the running back that pulls the linebacker dead into his face. Exactly. Like
0: let's, if the linebacker core is the issue, let's go ahead and work out different motions and things of that nature and allow Garrett, allow uh, 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 Corey, if they're going to be playing zone, allow them to run these little shallow crosses, call your passing games that allow these guys to sit in front of the safeties, but behind the linebackers and take advantage of their weakness. Because, listen, Patrick Peterson, I'm not sure. He's been in the league for a while. I want to know if he's checking Garrett Wilson one-on-one. Can we give enough protection, and can he run with Garrett Wilson for 60 yards? That's what I want to see. But prior to that, I just think that the hurry-up offense is is, going to be the way to go. When you have – to me, I'm concerned about our running backs and pass protection. I really am. All right? let's work some hurry up because the best part about hurry up and you see it all the time, you run hurry up offense, the linebackers and the DBs are dropping to their zones and they're giving you a four down check down.
1: Yep. Every time
0: you give, you give Bam a check down with two safeties that, I mean, with two linebackers that can't run with them, he can make them miss in space. And that now we're talking now that's now we're using our passing game as an extension of our run game. And it goes back to what you're saying. Offensively, the people who are going to have to carry us, besides the offensive line, and we already know that, it sounds to me what you're saying is that offensively, the unit that has to carry us is we have to put the game on the shoulders of the running backs, whether it's handing them the ball or whether it's the check downs or the routes out of the backfield. Either way, whether it's out of the huddle or uh, uh, in the huddle or from a no huddle situation, um, we do have to get a focus and take advantage of the matchup with their linebackers against our, our running backs.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Let me, let me be very clear. Cause I think some people listening might think that we're at odds here we're completely and totally on the same page. I think there is going to be times in this game where they are going to need to play a little clock control to keep the Vikings offense off the field, but they're absolutely going to need to score points as well. And that I do not think as we'll get into next, we don't either of us think this is going to be a game defensively. That's going to be an outright cakewalk, walk in the park for the jets defense and everything's going to go sunshine and rainbows. We think there's some things that could go very, very wrong, very, very quickly. And this game could very well be a shootout, but when you're trying to ice a shootout, that's when you need to lean on your run game. And Mm -hmm. what I'm talking about specifically is what you're saying. The game needs to be carried by the running backs early in the game. Yes. Yes because that will set up and open up everything else for everybody else as the game goes on. This is what I noticed watching the Jets offense this past week. And another thing like you're mentioning with hurry up, I don't think Michael floor is scared anymore as a play caller. Mm -hmm. I don't think he's worried like he was before with Zach Wilson as his quarterback, where his play calling was incredibly conservative because he was worried his quarterback couldn't execute anything but that. I think we're seeing a different offense with Mike White, where the plays that we've seen them run aren't different, but the mentality of when they're called and the structure of the plays at certain times, if the Jets had a third and four, this is where my immediate brain went to thinking about this today, Mike White throws a 20 plus yard touchdown to Elijah Moore on a third and four. And it's a, it's a levels concept to one side of the field where he's got two guys going, Garrett coming from one end, he's got a little out route from Uzama as the tight end, and he's got more running over top as a deeper corner out. And Mike White trusts to see the coverage, see Elijah Moore coming behind it, roll to his left and make the throw. Do you think that Michael Ford would have called that type of play on a third down with Zach Wilson the week before? I don't. I'm not sure he would have trusted him. I'm not sure we saw, what did we see on third down? a tunnel screen to Barrios with a linebacker being pulled into the throwing lane, a flat screen to Barrios with the ball going six yards over his head. What run on third and four that gets stopped for a yard. It didn't seem like there was confidence in the passer to execute the offense to its fullest potential where this week you can call hurry up because Mike White's going to know the play. He's going to know what he's doing. He's going to know where to go with the ball. He's going to be able to get everybody aligned and set. He's not going to be overwhelmed by having to absorb a bunch of information at once on top of that, you're going to have an offense that can be more aggressive at different times. And I think this is a game where you absolutely have to be aggressive. This is my last point I'm going to make offensively. I said what I wanted to say with this game in order, because I think it is the order of how things have to go. You establish the run and you get your running backs involved to be the physical team early. That draws the linebackers in. That's when you mix in some misdirection. You have them focusing on a couple of different things at once. You have a Sweep to Barrios here, and the outside zone going the other way, or however it ends up being, whether it's a bubble screen like you talked about, give something else for these linebackers to think about and chase. And the final point of this is you let Garrett Wilson and Corey Davis burn them over top, mm. and you test them deep, and you see <laughs> can Patrick Peterson come up and, and handle Garrett one on one. Because the one thing about the Vikings defense is they play a lot of too high, they play a lot of cover two, they play a lot of cover four, they play some quarter quarter half. It's a lot of two high coverages. You need to get them out of those two high coverages. The second you bait them down and you leave these terrible corners and one-on-one with our receivers, that's when you make them pay. And that's when you can get the four minutes to go in the third quarter. You're down by four points and you need an explosive play. Well, here's the 55-yard touchdown to Garrett Wilson because they finally played cover one and he got a one-on-one matchup. Mm -hmm. If you don't force the Vikings to come up and get out of those two high shells it's going to be a lot harder to win down the field and with the vikings offense having an ability to be explosive if you can only play dink and dunk you might not be able to keep up so i think it is an order of attack that you have to hit get your run game going be physical put these linebackers through hell with misdirection to where the secondary and the Vikings defense as a whole feels like they can't just play too high and have their safety so far back and have all this space underneath for their linebackers to worry about. You bring that safety down. That's when you get easier matchups outside with our receivers and you let guys that we're seeing really take advantage of Mike White at quarterback, do what they do best and get open. I think you can move the ball on this defense. I don't think it's going to necessarily be a, a, an absolute easiest thing in the world i'm a little worried about pass protection like you're saying worried about running backs and pass protection potentially but i think if you plan this offense right it'll run itself i think it'll be a situation like we saw at times from the patriots last week where the patriots could basically just call a play action pass from under center every single play down the field and it was wide open every time the linebackers keep kept falling for it Mm -hmm. i think you can replicate that and i really think you can have a good day offensively
0: I'm with you. <clears throat> and to that last point that you made about what the Patriots did and what Minnesota does on defense, LaFleur <clears throat> is going to have to call a different game. He's going to have to. Because a lot of the deep routes that we do, playing some form of cover two or quarters look, is taking away all the deep stuff. And so this would very well be a game that we have to dink and dunk down the field because Minnesota may say, hey, if we can avoid the big play, we don't think the Jets can can be efficient enough uh, you know, throughout the course of the game that they'll be able to score on us. So <clears throat> he's going to have to come up with something different. And with, when you're playing some type of cover two, right, now the tight end running up the seams, that's going to be critical. That's going to be something that's critical. Maybe you see something where a running back comes out the backfield and runs the same route, but whatever, that middle of the field, that 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 part of the field where you're right above the linebackers but underneath yep. the safeties is going to be critical yep. for us. And the way that you're going to open that up, in my opinion, is you have to put White under center. You're not, okay. going, to get yes. same, you're not going to get the same result from play action yes. saying that, hey, this is the same play that the Patriots ran but the difference is, is that hey, we ran it out of shotgun and then we're wondering why it didn't work. Well, because you're running it out of shotgun. I think that this is if we're going to get the run game established and we're going to be able to open up some play action. And hey, if these guys are going to bring pressure and they're going to play off with the quarterback going under center, especially with White's height, it's as simple as taking a taking a snap real quick, uh yep. drop back, doing your back pedal, and then getting rid of the ball, getting rid of the ball quickly. All right. So I really think that making a change to putting white under center is going to be something that's going to help our run game. As we get the run game going, I think that our our play action game is more effective. I've always felt this way. I think the play action game is always more effective when you put the quarterback under center. You have the quarterback turn his back to the defense as if he's handing the ball because that's going to draw you in more. You take a shotgun snap. All right. There are certain tells that you that the defense that the defense has. It could be the tempo of the back. It could be mm-hmm. where the back is lined up.
1: What you put as a quarterback, you have facing in in front or back in your stance. Do you have the exactly. the, the same stance as when you're throwing is when you're taking a handoff or you exactly. switch your feet? There's so many tells that people look for. And you're 100 percent right. I have to cut you off or anything, but I, I just I couldn't agree more. The Garrett Wilson touchdown that went for 60-something yards last week was an under center play-action dig route over the middle <laughs> in the exact space of the field that you're talking about behind the linebackers and in front of the safeties. There's your play. There's, there's the play that I think can work, where you hit Garrett Wilson coming over the middle at a 25-yard depth on your second drive of the game. You don't want to dink and dunk, in my opinion, where you might need to do that at points, absolutely. You take what you can get but that can't be your only answer because it's, you're not going to have enough time to score efficiently. And I think eventually the Vikings will catch on and eventually they'll sell out to it and know that they're not going to be as worried about the deep coverages where they can still play a, a, a too high, but they can have those safeties playing at a 10 yard depth instead of a 14 yard depth. And it's a completely different ball game at that point. I think you have to scare them out of their too high looks is I don't want this to be a game offensively for the jets and this will be my last point before we get to the defense where i want the jets offense to dictate what the vikings defense does not the other way around i don't want the answer to be oh they're playing a lot of too high so we're going to dink and dunk and be conservative and we'll take what we can get and if we have to kill them by a thousand paper cuts then so be it i want it to be an, an offense where it's they can't play too high anymore because we're getting so many explosive chunk plays whether it's 10 15 20 yards on the ground or with play action or over inter uh, intermediate over the middle or on bubble sweep screens or sweeps or whatever it is that we have to bring someone else down into the box because they're just killing us in the short to intermediate range of the field to the point where we're scoring quickly and they're not you know sh- uh, throwing bombs down the field once you get that safety up then you take the bombs out i really think that if the jets, like you're saying, if they do what they always try and do, and it's the shotgun, we're going to do the the orbit motion and we're going to try and, and run the tunnel screen here. And if it's all of that stuff, I, I really don't think it's going to work as well. But if they do like what you're saying, go under center, establish the run early, feature in that jet sweep action that they've done before, feature in some bubble screens maybe on top of it, like what you're saying with White where he can get under center and you can have uh, an option an option pass where it looks like it's going to be a zone to the right and you got a slant route coming behind it from the the X receiver that's isolated and White can peek it and if it's open, just hold the ball, stand up, throw it to him. You can find ways to get explosive plays and that's the key for me. You have to generate explosives. You can't just dink and dunk.
0: I'm with you on that. I think that this is going to be a game. Well, first of all, uh, White has to be able to read these coverages. Because there was a play in the Chicago game where if that was close to being a pick six. I just can't remember who he was throwing the ball to. But that could have easily been a pick six because it looked like he misread the coverage. I think Minnesota is going to come out there and try to mix in some of their coverages. All right, I, I really, I really think that that's what they're going to do. I, I think they're going to try to bring pressure on us. If they try to do what they do, which is play that cover two. First of all, let me say this: if you're Minnesota, you're not scared of the Jets' offense. So what? They had a good game against the Chicago Bears that was that basically had nobody playing. All right, and the Jets were coming off of this high. The quarterback that that some of the players didn't want is out. Now you got the new quarterback in. Now we're riding this high. We're at home and, and things go well. But now you have to go on the road you have to play the Minnesota Vikings. They've already seen what you have to offer when White is, is, is at the helm. This is a different game now. We're going on the road. If this team is serious about making the playoffs, then if teams are going to eliminate your deep plays, then you have to have an ability and the patience to dink and dunk your way down the field because that's what's going to get them to come out of that. If you're killing me in cover two with some form of cover two, by dinking and dunking what's happening is this your defense was on the field for too long with all the different motions and all the different things that we do offensively now you're going to have your defense constantly moving all over the place i remember so yeah dink I, I will dink and dunk you all day long because your linebackers get confused all right, you want to stay in your cover two because because you don't want us to to be able to to give up the big play. And with Mike White at the quarterback, um, I think that that his ability and his height allows him to see the field a lot clearer than with Zach. All right, so I think that Dinkin and Duncan is going to be the way early on. White has to do a great job of reading these coverages out because I'm gonna be honest with you, I don't see Minnesota coming out lining up in a cover two, knowing that we. Like to throw slants, knowing that we like to throw dig routes. Like a lot of our routes are, is this type of stuff. It's this. It's this. Yeah, it's the whole over the middle, a whole lot of that. And so, to your point of bringing the safeties down to ten, if you bring your safeties down to ten, then you're going to have to back your cornerbacks off. some or, or what you're asking, I'm, I'm going to tell you right now. If you bring your safeties at ten, then you're going to high low your safety. If your safeties are down low, most times, if you bring your safeties down lower, you're backing your cornerbacks off because you're playing some type of inverted cover two. Or some type of, you're doing something. Right. just, just
1: Unless you're Seattle and you're playing three press, then you're playing three, you're playing three exactly. bail, and your corners are 10 yards off.
0: Exactly. Offensively, and this will be my last point. This will be my last points. Um, we have to be efficient. We have to make sure we're the quarterback. I truly believe that that if we're going to open things up for our offense, we have to put the quarterback in the center. We cannot turn the ball over. Don't shoot ourselves with penalties, and we have to be prepared to handle whatever Minnesota brings us that's new. That is what I'm. That's what I'm interested in seeing. If we're used to them coming out in a cover two, what happens if they line up in cover two and then they do a buzz? They do. They they go to man. They're What if they're playing two man? We're thinking they're going to go with the basic cover, too. And they're saying, hey, we're going to go man-to-man across the board. We're not worried about White running, which is going to be something that if Minnesota decides to go man-to-man, White is going to have to use his legs if they go 2 man. Because if you go to man, the cornerbacks are jumping any underneath yep. route, knowing that yep. they got the safety help. And you see Aaron Rodgers do it. I mean, hell, we've we've seen all the all – the, Patrick Mahomes, we've watched it all last week that when teams play man-to-man, you break their back when a quarterback steps up in the pocket, realize that there is a huge running lane, and just take it. So it goes back to us being efficient offensively. If we could just be efficient, don't press the down-the-field stuff. Don't press it. Let it No, happen. you
1: set it up. You set it up. Yes.
0: That's yes. exactly what points. I'm
1: saying. That's it. I'm – I'm giving them the plan on how to set up the downfield stuff. You don't, but I, mean, I agree with what you're saying: is you do not press it. Is do not try and shove a square peg into a round hole. If yep. they are going to stay in that cover two and they're going to play two man or something along those lines, <laughs> and it's going to be hard to get the ball deep down the field, then don't waste your time trying. Don't mm-hmm. waste it down uh, or waste a drive that uh, that you might never get back by trying to do that. Yep. But you have to find ways to be explosive, and like you're saying take the dink and dunk all day if it's there. Well, if you can dink and dunk all day, then you're likely getting some explosives out of the dink and dunk too. Mm-hmm. Even, and that can be perfectly fine. As if you, like we are talking about with the little flare to Ty Johnson, if you flip it out to Ty Johnson on third and two, and he picks up 16 yards, that's an explosive play and it's still a dink and dunk. You can accomplish both at the same time. Yep. You have to get explosive plays, however it is. Mm-hmm. Have what, wherever it comes from, however you decide to do it, That's my point is that I agree is if if you can dink and dunk and you can not look to do anything down the field and still generate an efficient offense, like you're saying, and get explosive plays to where not every drive is 12 plays and 11 minutes long, I think you're going to be just fine. Mm -hmm. And so that's going to take me to the defense where this is where I've been excited to talk to you all day waiting to record this show. Because I was watching the Vikings offense against the Patriots. Specifically, I was watching Justin Jefferson. Because the matchup of the week for pretty much (laughs) everybody in Vikings land or Jets land is Justin Jefferson versus Sauce Gardner. And it's a big, big matchup. Now, I don't think Sauce is going to outright travel him. I don't think it's going to be a situation where the Jets are going to completely and totally alter the structure of their defense for this game to guard Jefferson. And I think the way they've been playing, they play best. When they can set up those situations on third and longs, and they can situationally alter, not just alter from start to finish. So there's going to be some opportunities where Sauce is going to be on his right side of the field, like he or his from the defense's left, like he normally is, and Justin Jefferson's going to be on him, and it's going to be one on one. And you talked about it Lamont, uh, last week a lot, and this is what really clicked in my head for me, where we were talking about the deep ball to chase Claypool against the Bears, where Sauce Gardner is in coverage and he's in trail perfectly fine he's in phase he's in position he really isn't completely and totally burned he's not in total recovery mode but he's playing claypool with the ball in the air and he's playing claypool's hands and he has his head back he's his back turned to the ball and he's not playing the ball itself this is going to be a massive massive problem against justin jefferson and we, I brought this up to you before the show. We were both in complete agreement about this. And for everyone listening, I want everyone to pay attention to this in this game this week. As a receiver, you are taught for the very reason that we are talking about. You do not want to flash your hands early as it's called. And that when you are tracking the ball in the air, whether it's over the shoulder, whether you're coming back to it, whether you're going over the middle, whatever it is, You want to wait until as long as possible to actually stick your hands out to grab the ball, because you don't want to give that defender trailing you any amount of tip-off or an idea of where that ball is coming and where it's going to be going towards. So as a receiver, Justin Jefferson might be just as good, if not better than this, than anybody else in the NFL at not flashing his hands and using what's called, quote, late hands, where he never when he is tracking the ball, has his hands anywhere than either down at his side running or tucked across his chest like he's already cradling the ball. And it's not until the very last second where he just sticks it out and snatches it right back in. So if you're Sauce Gardner and you're playing him on a go ball down the sideline and you're waiting for Jefferson, who's not unless it's going to be an intentional back shoulder, which I doubt Kirk Cousins is going to try and do, and you're running with justin jefferson and jefferson is looking over his shoulder ready to catch the ball and you're trying to play through his hands and jefferson never flashes them you don't even know the ball's coming you don't even know the ball's coming you want, how are you supposed to know you're even being thrown at the only way you know is when the receiver goes to make a play on the ball and if jefferson's going to wait until the last possible second and still come down with the pass sauce is going to have no idea this is a game where when he is on jefferson specifically and he gets tested with those deep shots down the sideline that we fully expect to happen, if he does not turn his head and play the ball in the air, Jefferson's going to smoke him. Jefferson's going to smoke him. Because he's just as big, he's just as physical, you can't body him, he's got too many good releases, he can get off press no problem, he's quick, he's fast, he's got plenty of speed, he can make contested catches, he's not going to be bullied, he can go up in the air and catch the ball at his highest point. I think he's the best receiver in the NFL, personally. I think he is the number one receiver in the league right now. And if Sauce Gardner tries to play him the way he played Chase Claypool, it is going to be advantage Justin Jefferson. I really hope this is something that we see Sauce clean up this week because I do not want to see him get embarrassed and have the week of Justin Jefferson owned the rookie or anything else. We haven't seen really anyone outright own Sauce yet. This could be the week it happens if Sauce doesn't get this corrected.
0: I'm with you. I think that this is going to be right now. This is the best wide receiver that he's going to line up against. Bar none. And he lined up against Steph, and he lined up against Tyreek, but Jefferson brings something to the table that those other two guys don't, and that is he's a lot taller than these other guys. And Visible. I'm going to go as far as say that at the high point you brought this up, Jefferson is going up to high point the ball. All right? With that said, I agree with you 100%. This is the game where where if Sauce does not get this fixed, it's going to be embarrassing. I think that it could be embarrassing for him. Yes. We're going to have to see a lot from Sauce. And, I, and, and I've been talking about this since the beginning of the season, about that poor technique that he uses. You get away with it with some mediocre uh, with some mediocre wide receivers and when quarterbacks are under-throwing the ball. Um, and Kirk Cousins doesn't necessarily have the strongest of arms.
1: All right? No, but he throws with great touch, and he can hit balls in the tight windows. Throw, yes,
0: he throws it with great touch. And one thing that he's shown – is he could care less if his number one wide receiver is tripled covered. He's going to put the ball up, put it up in a situation, and I love watching this, I love watching this. He puts the ball up in a situation where Jefferson can keep running and off of the run with his momentum, go up and get the ball. It's totally different than having two guys at a stalemate that you got to jump up and catch the ball. No, he's allowing him to get to maximum height by simply just throwing the ball up. If we decide to play man-to-man coverage with Sauce and Jefferson, okay? If if, if that's gonna be the matchup, I'm saying this, you got one, maybe two times, Sauce. You got one, maybe two times. If I get a pass interference call, if you get Moss, and, and, and how about this, the, the term Moss, Randy Moss, Minnesota just jumping up and just catching the ball over everybody. This could be a game where he just flats out, goes out there and get mossed if he does not correct his technique. With that said, if it happens once or twice, for me, it's very simple. I'm going two-man on Justin Jefferson, and I'm telling Kirk Cousins, you're going to have to beat me throwing the ball to Adam Thielen. And I'm going to say, Sauce, it is your job to stop Adam Thielen yes. under no circumstances. if we And and yes, as, as the competitor, Sauce is... He's wiping his hands, he's licking his chops, because for him, you're going up against arguably the best wide receiver in the National Football League. This is your opportunity, all right? Now I get. Now this is his chance. I mean, let's be honest. You go out here, you play well this game, and you shut him down. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. You pretty now much
1: guarantee yourself defensive rookie of the year.
0: I mean, not only that, now you're just talking about, think about the endorsements that's going to come. Yep. Because if he goes out he plays well, now, now you're going to yeah. let you know. He's going to let you know it's going to be
1: let alone you know what forget defensive defensive rookie of the year you might be talking defensive player of
0: the year I don't think he'll get defensive player of the year I I mean maybe not
1: with the interceptions but when you're talking about the media hype you'll have people saying it
0: yeah you'll have people saying it but the reality of it is 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 no I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go as far as saying defensive uh player of the year um I'm gonna say this Sauce, you got two chances. This is not a game that we can afford to go out and lose the game because we want to give Sauce his opportunity to compete against. No, we need to win this game. It's just that simple. We are in right now. Yeah. The Jets are competing for the AFC East title. We are in a we legitimately have a shot of winning the AFC East, all right? And we're trying to compete for a playoff spot. We ain't got time to worry about the ego. You got twice. I'm going to let you line up on a man-to-man. But if I get a pass interference call, if you get beat deep, then guess what? We're going to put you on Adam Thielen. We're going to play cover two man, and that's how we're going to play this game. My first point from a defensive standpoint, and you hit on sauce, all right? I just told you what I had to say about sauce. Under no circumstances do you allow the Minnesota Vikings to get this run game going. You do the not. word's
1: out of my mouth.
0: You do not let the Minnesota Vikings get the run game going. Listen, I'm here in the DMV. I had a chance to watch Kirk Cousins for years. Okay? Do not allow them to get this run game going. Because if you allow them to get this run game going, I'm just telling you, everybody knows that Kirk Cousins in the play-action game is nice. He is nice out of the play-action game. All right? But what he is not going to do a good job of is dropping back 30, 34 times and picking you apart. He is a guy that is going to play for his stats. Now, Jefferson, he'll throw the ball up to him, but he's not throwing the ball to anybody else unless they're open. And if everybody down the field is checked, he's going to dump the ball off. Make this a check down game. Let's see who's going to be the battle of the check down. Are the Jets going to go? Are the Jets going to be able to, to methodically move the ball down the field? Or is Minnesota going to be able to methodically move the ball down the field? We cannot allow Minnesota to have big plays. And here, and, and, and I'm going to end with that as my first point because I'm really interested in, to hearing what your other points are because I'm going to have a final point on this defense, which I think is going to, going to make things really hard to uh, bet this game because there's something that I've seen in their schedule and there's something that our defense brings to the table that presents a huge problem for the Minnesota Vikings, and we have to take advantage of that.
1: Yeah, uh, I'm right there with you. Let me see if I can call this out for you. The defensive line needs to be looking their chops because this offensive line on the interior specifically is hurting. And on top of that, they're in arguably their best player left tackle Christian Darasau mispractice all week with a concussion. Mm. he's probably not playing game plan so you're gonna have uh right more than likely with the concussion protocols it would be pretty dang ridiculous if he were to be suiting up at this point missing two straight practices on a thursday that that's going to be unlikely you have an opportunity this is where i'm going my second point defensively when Kirk cousins becomes that drop back passer to victimize him and this is the one guy I'm going to highlight. And like we say on this show, for the best and brightest stars, we have the biggest and highest expectations. Quinn and Williams, go get three sacks. Mm. Go, go make this life. Go ruin this game. Go win, you know, defensive player of the week, whatever it is. Go be the headliner on defense. Steal the show from Sauce because you got some rough interior guys to start with. And I'm pretty sure, if I'm not mistaken one of the Vikings guards or center is also likely to miss this game or had been injured and they're playing a backup. Mm -hmm. I'd have to go back and double check either way. You have an interior offensive line that is begging to be picked apart. And the one thing with Kirk cousins for me is I don't think Kirk cousins is very good against pressure, but when Kirk cousins is only getting pressured from the edge, he's good at stepping up at it. He's good at finding his lane inside, especially off the play action concepts like you're talking about. So this, it goes hand in hand for me. Like I had my points on offense where everything fed together and was one after the other for, for me, it's, you're worried about Justin Jefferson. Well, make sure sauce is actually looking for the ball instead of looking at the hands. Cause the hands are never going to come after mm-hmm. that and Williams has got to get pressure on the interior, take away the lanes from stepping up from Kirk Cousins, allow the guys on the edge with some favorable matchups themselves to be able to clean up. If Cousins doesn't have a lane to step up, then Bryce Huff can, and Jermaine and Carl and JFM can come free off that edge and they can do what they can. On top of that, Sheldon Rankin's fully practiced today from his dislocated elbow. So if he can play, that's another guy on your interior that can get after the passer. It's going to do you some good. Finally. You said it, it's, it it ends with stopping the run. If the Vikings can't run the ball, their play action game is not going to be nearly as effective. The jets can call basically whatever coverage they want on the back end and decide, however, they're going to worry about covering Jefferson if they can stop the run. And you're not worried about cousins being much of a scrambler. You're worried about cousins stepping up in the pocket and get avoiding some pressure. That's where Mm. Quinnen comes in. If they can play the under center play action game, then that's going to be so much harder. These two teams have the same game plan. And it's going to come down to who does it better. And it's that simple for me. I think both teams, you want to offensively, you want to run the ball. You want to get play action with under center. You want to get the defense in conflict and force them to get into shells or coverages that they don't want to be in. And defensively, it's stop the run. It's keep everything sound. And for one guy in particular on our defense, it's turn your head and steal some interceptions.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I don't think the game plan is too dissimilar. I think this team is, this game is going to come down to who's the better team. Uh,
0: yeah. I, I feel you with, with regards to who's the better team. Um, there's one other player that we haven't talked about that could cause us a lot of problems. And that's T.J. Hawkinson lined up against our linebackers in coverage. That's an issue. I had a chance to call games. I believe he played at Iowa. Yes. Um, and I had a chance to call. I believe one or two of his games. I was. I was the. On. I was on the radio with Johnny Holiday, um, um, analyst on the radio. That dude is legit. And if it's one thing I know about Kirk Cousins is that when things get tough, he will look for his tight ends. That is a concern for me is how are we going to cover things when we have Hawkinson and Jefferson lined up on the same side? Because I don't know how you're going to play that matchup. I really don't think that any of our linebackers, I don't think Quincy or Mosley can check Hawkinson in in coverage. So now you're talking about having to either go nickel, which I think limits our our run-stop defense, all right, That's something that's going to be a concern for me, which which is why it goes back to the offense and our need offensively to score points. We have to score points offensively. We cannot allow. Kirk Cousins to get comfortable throwing TJ Hawkinson the ball. And to be honest with you, while everybody's thinking, and I know everybody's hype about the sauce matchup, but let's make no mistake about it. If he cannot get the ball to Jefferson, he's going to look to Thielen. If he can't get it to Thielen, he's going to force that ball to Hawkinson. Because listen, if I'm coming into this game as a Minnesota Viking, as a coach, and I'm saying, on my offense, where do we have our best matchups? Well, if they line Sauce up against our best wide receiver, I'm telling Kirk Cousins, single high safety, I want you going to him every single time until that safety is bossed over some. Yep, and now, Until you but,
1: throw a pick,
0: try it. Yeah, until you throw a pick. If if Sauce is playing me man, hey, take the snap, get the ball up early, let Jefferson go up and make a play. I will do that all day long until the Jets get out of that. All right. So we have to be mindful. I know we're thinking about Cook and we think about Jefferson. We're thinking about Thielen, but Hawkinson is a problem, I think. And not only not only that, I think that he's a stud in the run game. He is a stud when it comes to run blocking. All right. So from a defensive standpoint, we already know from a passing game, the people that we can't allow them to get going. We cannot allow them to get this run game going. And this is going to be my last point on the defense. All right. This is my last point on the defense. The Minnesota Vikings are, what are they, nine and two? Nine and two. Nine and two. All right. I'm taking a look at their two losses. They lost to the Philadelphia Eagles and they lost to the Dallas Cowboys. Yep. All right. You look at the Green Bay Packers, you look at Detroit, New Orleans, Chicago, Miami, Arizona. Buffalo, New England. There are three teams that Minnesota have, have played that defensively gave Minnesota the blues, and that was the Eagles, yep. the Commanders. Because I just although they beat the Commanders, I watched that game. The Eagles, the Commanders, and the Cowboys, and those three teams have this one thing in common. All four of their down four are dominant. That is where we win the game. And if you look at both, if you look at the two losses, the Minnesota Vikings offense only scored seven points against the Eagles, and they only scored three points against the Dallas Cowboys, which is why I go back to the offense. It's critical that you score points because listen, our defense are goons. This Minnesota Vikings offense they want no part of a defense that's full of goons it's already proven 24 to 7 40 to 3 and 20 to 17 against the Washington commanders it's very simple for the defense go out there and just snatch Minnesota's heart early it's already been proven I don't think that they can handle our, our starting for that our starting down four I don't think they can handle our backup down for. And if if you think that you're going to run in the middle with Mosley and Williams sitting in there, it's proven that the Minnesota Vikings offensively want no part of physical football. They want no part of it. If they're able to run the ball on you, it's because it's drawn up as a scheme. It's not because they're going to come off the ball, smack you in the mouth, do it for a whole game. That is not their identity. That is the New York Jets identity. The Jets are going to come out there and smack this team in the mouth. So my last point defensively, hey, go out and win this game. They don't necessarily have to hit Kirk Cousins a lot. I have watched it. All you have to do is make him feel the pressure, and he will throw the ball away. Yep. Go win this game. So we can talk all about the Jefferson and we can talk about the the, the, the Cook and we could talk about Kurt and we could talk about Hawkinson. It's as simple as this. This Minnesota Vikings offense wants no part of physical play. They want no part of physical defenses. All right. You eliminate the big play and you make them travel down the length of the field, having to deal with that thump for the entire game. And I'm telling you, Kurt Cousins will fold. He will throw a, he w- put it this way. I don't know if this is a bet. All right. But if I'm a fan, I'm a fan and I'm saying that Jess is going to win. I don't know if there is a bet out there, but I will take a chance that this is a game that Kirk Cousins throws a pick six.
1: I can see it. I absolutely can see it. You get pressure on him. He crumbles and, and he'll throw prayers. He'll throw he'll throw misguided prayers. He'll he'll mm-hmm. throw worse than prayers. So I'm right there with you. This is the one and one and only other thing I have to say defensively. And it's very simple. And I don't want to spend a lot of time on it. I want to get to bets quickly. You can't miss tackles. tackles. You can't miss tackles. You can't not against a guy like Dalvin cook, not against a guy like Justin Jefferson, not against a guy like TJ Hawkinson. You can't miss tackles. So I completely and totally agree. The Vikings don't want to play physical football. They don't want to play go win the game with your knit and your grit football. They don't want to play mean green football like the Jets do. That's not what they want to do at all. You can have the advantage from a defensive standpoint with the guys that we have in our defensive line. I don't think anybody on the Vikings offensive line wants to deal with Jermaine in the run game. I don't think anybody in the Vikings offensive line wants to deal with Michael Clemens in the run game. I don't think anybody on our offensive line wants to deal with Quinnen on a five-step drop. I'm in complete agreement that that is where you win the game you lose this game by not being able to tackle you lose this game by getting in positions where you get a stop on third and short or a stop on third and seven and you hold it to a four-yard gain and dalvin cook is able to shift out of a tackle because jordan whitehead's throwing a shoulder and squirts upfield and picks up an extra seven and it's a first down that's backbreaking that's backbreaking. And it and I guess if the Bears were a better team, it would have really come back to haunt them last week.
0: Yeah. Yep.
1: So I'm really glad what I heard f- from Jeff Ulbrick in his press conference today, he brought that up directly as an area that they needed to focus on. That this was a huge area of influence for them. And that they know that they nearly got away with murder by letting David Montgomery run through every arm tackle they attempted. And mm-hmm. that getting guys to the ball is useless if you don't bring them down. So That's the last thing for me. I think defensively we have things pretty laid out. The Vikings attack one way; their offense is their offense, and this is a point I brought up on my other show on Oklahoma Drill the other uh, the other day. But when you look at the history, at least this year, Robert Sala's defenses do really well against teams that run a variation of their own offense, Mm. and the Vikings are another one of those. Mm -hmm. Kevin O'Connell's and Sean McVay disciple, Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan are basically twin brothers. Their offenses are, are two halves of the same coin. It's all trickle down from uh, Kyle's father, Mike Shanahan in Denver. And when he was with Washington in early parts of his career, there's all been the trickle, you know, a spread of different people with different roles since then. It's all the same core principle of an offense. Mm
0: -hmm. And we've
1: seen the jets dominate the Miami dolphins, give or take quarterback situation withstanding. It's not like their run game was hitting either. We've seen them dominate Aaron Rodgers and the Packers running the exact same scheme. We've seen them dominate the Denver Broncos and Trevor Simeon, who is probably better than Russell Wilson right now before anyone makes any arguments about that. And if I'm trying to remember correctly, any other offenses off the top of my head there, Oh, and the only team they couldn't do well against was Cincinnati. Why? Cause they couldn't tackle.
0: Mm.
1: They have the blueprint blueprint to stop this offense. They practice against it every day. Mm -hmm. They're not going to be caught off guard. And so I really think when you're looking at this game as a whole, you're looking at a tale of two sides of the ball where the matchup of the Jets offense versus the Vikings defense statistically would have to favor the Jets. The Vikings have the 31st ranked overall defense and the 32nd ranked passing defense. You don't just get away from that Mm -hmm. for as much struggles as the Jets have had Mike White has them playing in somewhat control. And I think we're all in agreement that he is going to at least have the offense be functional. It may not be amazing. It may not be dangerous, but it will be functional. And against a bad defense, a functional offense can do some damage. Mm -hmm. On the other side, you have a very talented Vikings offense that I don't think anyone should be taking lightly with an one of the, if not the best receivers in the league, a very, very good number two receiver as well, a very good tight end, and a good offensive line on the edges, not so much on the interior that might be missing their left tackle, and a quarterback that if you keep him clean, he'll pick you apart mm-hmm. and should be able to, to be a, a functioning passer. This is a good team offensively for the Vikings, but the Jets' defense is pretty darn good too. Yep. And I think that that matchup is a lot more even than the Jets' offense versus the Vikings' defense so the last thing for me Lamont before we get into bets that I want to mention and it's going to play into my bet a little bit the Vikings play in a dome and we have a kicker in Greg Zerline who can kick 57 yard field goals by 15 yards in the pouring rain Mm -hmm. let's see what what Zerline can do you get into a situation where points are, are are needed and you're at 59 yards and you're worried about it? I'm not. I was worried about 57 in the rain last week, and boy, was I wrong. (laughs) I think we have a weapon at kicker, and in a dome, that's even better. So our special teams, Braden Mann, Greg Zerline, these are the opportunities that you live for. And if they have some some chances, I want to see Mann punting balls, you know, that sky through the air that are just complete bombs. I want to see Zerline if you get... If you get past midfield, you're practically in zero lines range at that point. And don't be scared to try that because I think these guys can, are, can absolutely get it done, especially in dome conditions.
0: I'm with you. I, I'm with you on that. Special teams is going to have to play a big part of this. I mean, this is a game where if offensively we struggle defensively, we go out there and do what we do. Then it's going to come down to man. Oh man putting that ball, shifting p- field position, and then allowing uh, Zerline to come in there and 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 kick the field goals, man. I'm I'm really excited about this game. This, listen, this is a big game, man. Nobody, it's a big, big
1: game.
0: nobody really saw the Jets being in this in this situation. All right, when we, I know we talked about it on this show where we thought you know we thought that they were finished you know in the first five games they would be three and two. All right, we talked about that, um, but to be when you look statistically, the Jets are four and one away. They are four and one on the road.
1: And their road loss was the game that got Zach Wilson benched.
0: And Exactly. So when you come into this game, man, it's like, hey, if you're the Jets, look, we got to go out there and ball, man. We got to go out there and just do what we do defensively. Don't hurt ourselves with penalties. And and be violent, be violent with this Minnesota Vikings offense, man. Because I really don't think that they 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 want no part of that thump. And I can't wait. I think the only way Minnesota is going to have success running the ball is running sideways. I can always, I can already see it. I can already see it. Can you already see it, Drew. Yeah. They're going to run some little outside zone play where Dalvin Cook is going to look to cut that thing up, and he is not going to see Quentin Williams. He is not going to nope. see. No, I, he's not. I can see a pick six and I can see Williams blowing up yep. somebody because he's done it every single game. This is going to be an exciting game, man. I, I cannot yep. wait for Sunday to watch this game. Yeah,
1: I agree. Yo, I completely and totally agree. I'm going to call my shot as well. I'll get right into there with you before we close out with bets. I think Michael Clemens de someone this week. Mm. He is having Michael Clemens really quick is maybe the Jets leader in, as a as a football player Lamont, I'm sure you will understand this, but for people that aren't listening, a, really a defensive lineman more so than anyone else can be the type of player on a defense that disrupts everything the offense is trying to do and never gets any statistical credit for it. Michael Clemens might be the Jets leader of the team in plays that completely and totally destroyed the offense's plan, but he didn't get any credit for it on the stat sheet. Mm-hmm fourth down opportunity for the bears last week bears quarterback is oh, who was their quarterback or Trevor that was i got so confused brett simeon was the bears quarterback i said simeon was the broncos quarterback i met brett ripian Tre, trevor simeon brett ripian close enough they're both backups it's irrelevant anyway simeon's sneaking on fourth down and the Jets get a stop, Quan Alexander and uh, Jordan Whitehead are there off the edge. That doesn't happen if Michael Clemens doesn't knock the center a yard and a half back off the snap mm-hmm. from a slant from the outside. Yep. Knife's inside from, uh, with an inside shade, knocks the center back completely, and forces Simeon to go to the outside where Quan's already coming downhill and meets him. I think Clemens is going to knock someone on their butt going into this game, and I think the Jets are going to be more physical, and that defensive line is really going to make their presence felt. That's going to get me right into best. I have a, I have an interesting bet this week. I followed your lead. I went with the parlay action. I went with a couple of things that I liked (laughs) because I liked both of them and I couldn't decide. So I figured, screw it. Let's do both. Okay. First and foremost jets, total touchdowns for this game over under a two and a half. I'm hitting that over. I think the offense can get at least two. I really think they can get three by themselves. You said it yourself. You're calling a pick six. You get Cousins into an opportunity where things get disruptive. We've seen Sauce Gardner get jumpy before. We've seen DJ Reed come real, real close. We just saw CJ Mosley jump on a pass against the Bears at the end of the game and get a pick himself. I think a defensive touchdown is possible. And I really think the offense might just score three alone. 20 and a, or two and a half total touchdowns for the Jets as an over-under, I think that's too low. Give me the over. That's at a plus 121. I'm parlaying it with this. For a plus 100, the Jets will be the team that scores last. And the reason Mm. I say this, did you know, Lamont, that in 10 of their 11 games this year, the Jets have been the team that scores last? I did not know that. 10 of their 11 games, they've been the team that scores last. That's better than 90%. Mm -hmm. And we talked about it leading up to this game. It's Robert Sala's clock management it's his ability to be forward with the, with the plan and to where if they don't, if they aren't outright holding the ball last, then they're going to be in a position where the other team barely has any time. And they're in a, a hail Mary got to have it scenario where they're yep. going to be unlikely to score anyway. I think the jets are going to be the team that scores last. And I think this could be a situation where the Vikings offense gets some explosives. Jefferson does what Jefferson does and it gets tough. And, you get into a situation where it's the end of the game and the Jets need to go on a drive like they did against the Bills. Mm-hmm. And there's 11 minutes in the fourth quarter, and by the time they get done with it, there's like 27 seconds. Jets are the last team that scores. You aver- you put those together in a parlay, it's at a plus 342. Wow. I think both of those are really likely, and for a plus 342, I like those odds a lot.
0: Okay. I, I'm, I'm. Listen, I don't... <laughs> It's hard for me to call this one, man. Like, the, the, the fan in me wants to just call an outright Jets win. But that whole soft situation, it concerns me. It, 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 it's very it just, me. you know, we look good offensively versus the Bears, but have we shown a game one time this year where in back to back games, our offense actually went out there and lit it up? I mean, I don't, I can't remember a time that we've seen it. So, as great as we looked last week against the Bears, it's, you know, this is a situation with the young team where it's like, you know, you have to show me that this is something that you can maintain for the remainder of the season. With that said, um, I'm a go. There is some risk in this bet. I think the Jets can win the game. I think our defense, you know, if we can eliminate the big plays, this is going to be a close game. So I'm just going to take the Jets on on the spread. I think the Jets, personally, I think the Jets, we're going to go out there. I think we can win the game. I think our defense can dominate this offensively. If we can be the offense that we were last week, then I really, we we go out and win this game because we're going to put up points. It's going to get them to not run the ball. And then it's going to put Kirk Cousins in a position where he has to drop back and pass the ball, which means we get more hits on him. So my bet for today, I'm going to take the Jets. I'm going to take the Jets on the spread. I think it was a Jets plus three.
1: Yep, Jets plus three, that's at a minus one thirteen on bet
0: online right now. I'm gonna I'm gonna take that. I'm gonna go with the Jets. I'm gonna go with the Jets plus three. If I was looking for a parlay. If I'm looking for a parlay, I'm gonna go with the Jets at a plus three. And I'm gonna take the under. I'm gonna take the under. I'm gonna play the high side that that and and this is me just taking just Removing myself from just being a Jets and just looking at this game as just, just an analyst. I'm going to play the under, and I'm going to say that Minnesota, the Jets defense has, they've earned the respect of saying they can go out there and shut Minnesota Vikings offense down. As far as I'm concerned, you stop Jefferson, you don't allow T.J. Hawkinson to be, you, Minnesota may put up 10 points, maybe. The offense hasn't – they haven't done enough to earn the respect for me to say that, hey, you're going to go out there and put up 20 points. So I think that this could be a game that's a defensive battle that comes down to field position and kick, and, and field goal kickers. And so my number one bet is I'm just going to take the Jets at the plus three. If I'm going to parlay something, I'm going to take the Jets at a plus three, and then I'm going to uh, parlay that with the, with the under.
1: Yeah. No, under is at 44 and a half right now. So I think that's a, I think that's a solid pick. I honestly think this could be a situation where the Jets score three touchdowns and 21 points is all they score and the Vikings score 17 or the Vikings score 20 and mm-hmm. you still hit the under and the Jets still had three touchdowns because a 44 and a half over under is, is pretty high, especially yeah. for the NFL. It yeah. seems like the odds think this is going to be a high scoring game. And I can see how it's going. To, I don't think either of us think it's going to be a complete defensive battle. I think there's too much talent on the Vikings offense and the Vikings defense is too bad for that to be the case. I don't think any of their games have been that way this year. Mm. So it's, It seems likely to me that we got some pretty solid bets here. I like what we got going on. Lamont, as always, thank you so much for taking the time to be here. Thank you to betonline.ag for sponsoring. Make sure you guys are following the show at B-L-E-A-V underscore in underscore Jets on Twitter. You can also find me at Andrew Golden underscore 17. Lamont, if you got anything for the people to go ahead and throw out, feel free. Now is the time.
0: Y'all can uh, catch me on Instagram, LamontJordan underscore 34. And uh, I'm on Twitter uh, at CoachJordan34. All right, make sure you guys are stopping back in at the start of next week once we review this game,
1: get things all sorted out. As it stands right now, the Buffalo Bills are currently beating the, the New England Patriots 17-7. to That game on Thursday night is almost at halftime. And if that happens, Lamont, and the San Francisco 49ers beat the Miami Dolphins, if the New York Jets beat the Vikings, next week in Buffalo will be a game for first place in the AFC
0: East. How about that?
1: (laughs) How about that?
0: That's what I'm talking about, Jets. Let's just take care of the Vikings first.
1: Take care of the Vikings, but absolutely. We got meaningful games in December, people. What a time to be alive. The Jets are finally back, and we don't even know who's going to be in the draft this year. I haven't looked at a single mock draft or or done a single player ranking or had any worry about what that's going to be like, And, and it's been a pretty dang good feeling to just be focused on this year, focused on the now and focused on the near future. Hopefully get some extra football for the end of the season and not just have the 17th game as the only consolation. Thank you guys one more time for tuning in. We'll be back real, real soon. Bye-bye.
0: Peace.